up, everybody? You're now at your favorite stop for all things sports, politics, and culture. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast with Devon Pouncey, a production of ThatCast Network. Wake up, world. You're now tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I'm your host, Devon Pouncey. As you all heard in the liner and in the announcement that we made last week, we are officially locked in with ThatCast Network, so I'd advise you all to go to ThatCast.com, check out many of the dope other podcasts. Uh, we just had another dope podcast drop today um, with the Mike Barrett interview on the Portland Diamond Project podcast. I thought it was interesting, but go check out the lineup over there. I think it's real dope. Um, we got some good things cooking up, but... Uh, in the meantime, now that you are here at the with the Wake Up and Win podcast, I got D-Boy alongside me today. What's going on, D-Boy? Man, a whole lot of good going on. I'm feeling good. How you doing, bro? Oh, man, all is well. Can't complain. Ready to dig into this content because we got a lot to unpack this week. Um, last week, many of you that listened to the podcast, we had a phenomenal guest on and Oliver Maroney. Um, I thought it was some podcast gold, if I'm being quite honest. Um, it was thought-provoking. It was entertaining. We got some really good insight on the Big fun. Three League. Super fun. We got some good insight on the Big Three League, which if some of you don't know, um, is the league founded by Ice Cube. Um, and I thought it was just dope and it was a perfect fit for the podcast because when you think about Ice Cube being the founder of that league, it reminded me and it pretty much epitomized what this entire podcast is about, which is the intersectionality of sports, politics, and culture. And when you think of Ice Cube, obviously, he's a big fan of sport. He's been public in his fandom of the Los Angeles Lakers and the Oakland Raiders. And mm -hmm. I believe he might be a Dodgers fan, too. He's an L.A. guy. Obviously, he founded this basketball league in the Big Three. Um, obviously, when it comes to politics, he was a part of one of the most politically charged rap groups of all time with the N.W.A. When you take it to the culture... I mean, his music, um, filmmaking, he's he's produced and created and made some of the most classic films note to date when it comes to the culture. So I thought being able to talk about that league was very important. But I also thought that we didn't get to dig in enough how I wanted to into this Colin Kaepernick and Nike front. Now, I do think that Oliver and D-Boy had a lot of substance what they did with what they did have to say. Um, but I wanted to dig deeper into it. But as I mentioned, we had to talk about the big three. Now, with that being said, I'm happy that we didn't get to dig into it the way that I wanted to. The reason being is when we recorded, I believe it was the day that the ad came out. Yep, exactly. Yeah, when we recorded, it was the day that the advertisement came out. A lot of things have happened since then. A whole <laughs> lot of things have taken place on this Colin Kaepernick front. And if I narrow it down some in particular, we're here in the Portland metro region, and a lot has happened here with Kaepernick actually coming and taking a trip he was here. right here. He was here. <laughs> he was in our backyard. <laughs> D-Boy, I heard a song on your uh, new Man, EP right where you door, talked about man. your condo right next Man, door to Nike. I'm right next door. So he was here. Street. <laughs> so I'm kind of glad that we didn't get to unpack things the way I wanted to, even though I would suggest you go listen to what we did have to say because I do think we covered it well. But as far as this region is concerned, I wanted to dig deeper into it, and I got the chance to do a lot of research and speak with a lot of people on this front that gave me some gems, if we're being quite honest. Um, I had the fortune to speak with some people inside of Nike and who attended the JDI Day event. 
Um, I had some people. A lot who, of gold. A lot, lot of gold. gold. A lot, a lot of, gold. of gold. Absolutely. A lot of gold. I had some people who wrote on it. Dr. Jules Boykoff being one of them. Many of you may have heard him here on the podcast before. Um, he's an avid listener and supporter of this podcast. But he wrote a piece. He co-wrote a piece, I should say, in The Guardian with Dr. Ben Carrington on this front. Got to speak with him. A lot of gold there. Um, I also got to speak with some people from the opposing apparel company, which is Adidas. I got to speak with some people from there to get what their perspectives was. So it's a lot to unpack here. Um, me being fortunate to live here in this market, I was able to dig into this a bit differently than maybe most have been able to and maybe the majority of the coverage that you've heard on this front. So I want to start off with what Colin Kaepernick came here and did. Now, there was other star athletes here. Lisa, Lex, Lisa Leslie, excuse me, was amongst the list. Gabby Douglas was amongst the list. But obviously, with the advertisement going viral the way that it did, everybody wants to know what Copper, Colin Kaepernick was doing here and what it was that he had to say. And when I talked to my people who attended the event, they said he was very motivational and inspirational, not so much political. Hmm. I expected that. Reason being, if we think first and foremost about this past year or so, since Colin Kaepernick has not been in the league, since he, what I would say, has been colluded against, but we all know there's still a fight as far as that's concerned, he hasn't said anything in the first place. Right, right. The dude hasn't spoken at all. All actually. So for him to come out and speak at JDI Day, I didn't expect him to be too political, especially when we see the progress that he's been able to make in his journey since no longer being in the NFL and since pushing this movement to ultimately get what he feels, feels is fair treatment from the NFL, but most importantly bring light to issues in society, such as police brutality. So I thought that that was very important when I talked to him because I'm like, did he have anything controversial to say? Everybody wants to know what he's gonna say, and he wasn't quite controversial. But in that same rhetoric, I think a lot of people feel some type of way because we are still in a political moment right now. As I mentioned, Boykoff, I think he wrote a phenomenal article, again, co-wrote a phenomenal article about Kaepernick and about the capitalism that Nike is has taken place right now, pretty much. Mm -hmm. The capitalism of this whole situation against the activism of this whole situation and where Nike stands. I thought that was interesting. I thought it was important to unpack. And I think that we need to talk about those kinds of things as well because we have put a little bit too much emphasis on Nike as the corporation than we have on the political issues that got Colin Kaepernick to the place that he is today. Facts, facts. So I think it was super important for that to be written on. But at the same time, I don't want to get too caught up in Nike and what they're doing from a capitalist perspective because ultimately they're backing Colin Kaepernick they're pushing Kaepernick's agenda, I believe, more so than Kaepernick is pushing theirs. Obviously, I don't think it was a risk because they had a lot of tangible evidence. They had Colin Kaepernick being one of the highest jersey sellers since he's been out of the league. He had the number one jersey sales when he first decided to take the knee. So the tangible evidence was there from an apparel standpoint that they were going to be a-okay. And I'm speaking on Nike as a corporation. Now, as far as Colin Kaepernick is concerned, 
we didn't know what backing that he really had outside of his supporters that may have agreed with his stance. But as far as a corporate backing is concerned, as far as even more so a political backing is concerned, we didn't quite know who he had in his corner. So for him to be able to land a giant corporation like Nike to support him in this cause, I think holds more importance than him being able to make money for Nike due to this brand. Yeah, and that I don't want to focus on I get what you're saying. It's, I don't want to focus on that because it does hold more power that, you know, they're backing. It's, it's basically like if we complained about that, then it's almost like, what do we want? You know what I mean? Right, it's right. not about him making Nike more money. It's about the fact that they took that risk and they are behind it, whether it's for whatever reason right. Nike did it for. But, but I do still think that it's important to speak on the capitalism aspect. Because there are a lot of people, because Nike is such a gigantic corporation, because the brand holds the power that, is, that it holds, a lot of people will get caught up in the Nike stuff. So that does yeah, need to be talked about. Nature. Absolutely. So it does need to be talked about. But I think that we can kind of try to navigate through this because I think a lot of Kaepernick supporters are kind of conflicted right now. Yeah, because I feel like I see more... Um, I feel like more people are talking about the capitalism side of it than absolutely. they are about that. The, absolutely. The real task at hand. For, for sure. Absolutely. So yeah. with that, I think it is causing Kaepernick supporters who we all support this same person, but we're conflicted about this particular move regarding this same person. And I think we got to try to navigate, as Dave Zyron would say, this snake pit and still end up coming together in this and not really dividing and splitting. So I think it's good to be under to be able to understand all elements of this for us to ultimately have a better understanding on how to support this entire situation. Yeah, still keep focus on the big picture. Absolutely. So ultimately, like I said, we talked about it and dug into it a lot last week, but I definitely just wanted to dig into obviously the influence that we have here in Portland, in this Portland metro area, because I think it's very to important. To clear this up, though, do you think capitalism is the big picture right now in this situation, as far as with the Nike and Colin Kaepernick? As far as Nike is concerned, absolutely. Okay. As I mentioned before, Nike already has tangible evidence that Colin Kaepernick would work for them. If they didn't feel that they could make any money off of Colin Kaepernick, they wouldn't do it. They wouldn't do it, point right. blank, period. Right. But I don't think it's necessarily a problem in that per se, because they're a business, they're a corporation. We expect them to try and make money so off what whatever it is that they did. So what is the bigger picture on the next step? What is the bigger picture than the capitalism aspect? Well, ultimately, I think one picture that needs to be kind of keyed in on still is this collusion case that Colin Kaepernick has going on. And I think that's important on many levels because there's obviously some legalities going on to this. That's kind of the biggest thing Kaepernick has going on right now outside of him and Nike working together. Um, and I also think even back to when I was talking about him not really saying much, I think it was important for him to not say much because one thing that I feel like Kaepernick has in his corner right now as far as proof and evidence is concerned, it may not be hard proof, but I think it's something that's helping his case right now is the fact that Donald Trump has diarrhea at the mouth. What I'm, what, yeah, I agree with that. I, what I'm trying to dig out, I guess, is that, um, like, when it comes to the Nike and Colin Kaepernick thing, I think with just if you solely focus on that piece, right? I think capitalism is the biggest picture because we're talking business. We're absolutely. talking about, right? And, you know and, what I mean? I know I believe, what the biggest picture and, and is and of I believe, the overall absolutely. collusion case and all of that. But absolutely. it's like, do you think Nike 
like does this show Nike fighting with or standing behind Colin Kaepernick in the collusion case? If not, then it is just capitalism. That's what I'm trying to get out of you. Do you think this is a form of or a symbolic of Nike standing behind and fighting with Colin Kaepernick? I'm not going to 100% say that. I'm not going to 100% say that. I agree. I, I agree. That's why I'm I, trying to get As to. I mentioned before, I do think that it's more of a capitalism standpoint as far as Nike is concerned. I don't think they're going to, per se, dig into Kaepernick's politics. So I don't think they're kind of... I mean, they're in tune. They obviously know who Colin Kaepernick is. They obviously know what he's done. They know what he's doing. But I don't necessarily think that they're going to be political themselves. I think they made their political statement in utilizing Colin Kaepernick in, in this right, advertisement. Right, I get you. And that's pretty much it. And, okay. I think that was the political statement that Nike and made. That's is about that as far as they're going to go. Him. <laughs> yeah. Now, what I will also say is they are paying Colin Kaepernick, which I think is very important because we have all been out here worried about Colin Kaepernick not having a job. job yeah. And now we know yeah. that he is getting some funding that he's been missing out on in the NFL. Right, So. Right. From that element, you gotta I love think, Nike right at, now. At, from yeah. that element, <laughs> I mean, from, Nike was gonna make money without or with this. You exactly. Know what I mean? So, but, which is why I ultimately think that it had to be about step, the money yeah, as far as sure. they're concerned. For sure. But I don't think Nike is gonna take this huge political stance, and I think that's what some people are worried about. Right. We're so focused on supporting Nike rather than supporting Kaepernick and the causes that he's fighting for, because Nike does have the bigger platform than Colin Kaepernick does. That's why this is such a big deal in the first place. Mm-hmm. And that, that's what I wanted to clear up for myself and the listeners. I, absolutely. Just so absolutely. So yeah, I, that's why I think it's important to get all angles of this, but I think we have have to figure out a way to navigate through this kind of based on what we have to work with rather than you know not having much to work with or knowing one thing and not knowing another thing and now we're split on how we want to support Kaepernick now we're putting more focus and more emphasis on Nike, Nike. as the company yeah. rather the root than of the actual rather issue. than black people black and brown people being gunned down by the police that's where I think we have a problem in being able to all come together as one and trying to push a certain agenda. But I w- but what I will also say in that same respect is that we have been doing a good job in supporting Colin Kaepernick for him to be able to get. I think enough people just don't see the correlation. Yes. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. When you talk about taking a stance and being a football player and then, you know what I mean, the white cops killing blacks and browns and all. Like, I feel like it's just such – and so I understand it, right. especially being a black person. Absolutely. But I'm just saying, I feel like I feel like a lot of people have a very big problem correlating the two and putting it together to make sense and be behind supporting it. As far as as putting Nike together with Colin Kaepernick. As far as putting sports and bit companies Politics, like yeah, business. all of that, just kept putting that together. Like I feel like there people are having a very Tough time and issue correlating that or feeling like that is the way to go. I truly don't believe that people are having a tough time with it. I believe that we're just in a specific time right now to where people feel like they have to pick or choose a side. I feel like Nike and sports and politics and you look at the LeBron's and they've always Always. intertwined. They've always intersected. Part of the reason why we do what we do right now, but I think we're in such an uncomfortable place politically that people feel like we have to pick a side. 
And let's not deny, social media is putting emphasis on this stuff in a way that nothing else has been able to put yeah. emphasis mm -hmm. on this intersection of sports and politics ever before. A lot of voices and perspectives are a being platformed. Exactly. So with that being before. said, I think this was always a thing, and I think that may be the hard part for people, is the fact that the emphasis that's being put on this intersectionality has gone to an extent that we've never seen before. I yeah. will say that. But if you look at the root of it all, I think people are used to having to deal with the and a lot of our great athletes have been yeah, for, politically forever, charged. Forever, a lot of great forever. athletes have been politically charged. So I think it's just learning, as I mentioned, how to navigate through all of this with the emphasis that's being put on it with who we have in office right now. I think we're in a very unique place. We have a very unique president in the office right now. Yes, we do. We're trying to navigate through some things in a way that we've never had to navigate through them before. But I think the issues and I think, you know, the intersectionality has always been there. And I think people are starting to know and realize that as we connect what Colin Kaepernick did and is doing to somebody like a Mahmoud Abdul Raouf, who we may not have really understood it as much then. But when you start to connect the history to the present day, I think the timeline of events are there. And how Kaepernick is being treated by most is proving everything right, in my opinion, as right. far as him not having a job in the NFL and things of this nature. Like, it's just kind of proving the point of how, how, you know, things are being treated. Now, what I also thought was interesting on the Nike front, as I talked to my Nike people, who I, how, I'll leave them nameless. They can remain nameless here because I don't want to f interfere with anything they have going on and the money that they're making right now from Nike. It's <laughs> very thoughtful. But, man, very. So, so I am going to leave them nameless, but I also, when speaking to them, outside of asking them about the whole Colin Kaepernick front, I asked them what was the environment like there at J day because I know it didn't only exist of Colin Kaepernick coming up and saying a speech that might have been the highlight because of what he's doing and what he's going was, through yeah. but I know that there was more elements to this JDI day and so um one of the main things that stood out to me was that he said it was like a networking event and so what Nike did was they broke a bunch of networks down, whether it be by race, whether it be by department. Mm -hmm. They had different networking, I guess, stations there. And people were able to go there to network with other Native American workers who might work at Nike. They were able to go there and network. They had a black network area where you can network with other black people that work at Nike. And so I thought that was interesting from an inclusion standpoint. And I think that's also where a lot of people are kind of you know, teeter-tottering on how to feel about being a Colin Kaepernick supporter in this very moment. Because right. we all support him. Well, not we all support him, but the people that do support him support him pretty much for the same reason. But now with this element being thrown into it and you start to think about how Nike, I, Jacqueline Keeler, she was on this podcast. She was on the third very episode of this podcast. Mm -hmm. And she talked about Chief Wahoo. Obviously, Chief Wahoo is the mascot. It's the character and the mascot yeah, for the I Cleveland Indians. telling me about that before I she even She came on this. here, and she talked about protesting some years back about Chief Wahoo. Obviously, now that she's seeing Colin Kaepernick doing what he's doing, she's not hating on Kaepernick, but she's saying, hey, there are other issues at hand as far as this whole inclusion thing is right, concerned right. that need to be brought up Address. since Nike, that needs to be addressed since Nike has decided to go along and support Colin Kaepernick. Now we have other things Nike can go and support. 
whether it be the mistreatment of women, whether it be the mistreatment of Native American caricatures, there are other things to be brought up. And so I think that we need to obviously celebrate what's going on with Kaepernick, but I love the people like Jacqueline Keeler. I love the people like Jules Boykoff who are going to keep us focused and not allow us to get sidetracked yeah, by the men that they Because that can happen. Yeah. In a trendy society like we live in today. And it could be by design. Absolutely, yeah, it could be these, by design. These throw-offs could definitely be by design. It absolutely could be by design. So I think that it is important for people to bring these other inclusive issues to the forefront while we're celebrating in this moment right now, especially now that I heard and that I know that Nike is kind of pushing more of an inclusive agenda, and they have to be based on that target audience that they talked about in the first place, which is obviously mostly in support of Colin Kaepernick. So that's kind of what I wanted to dig into with the Kaepernick stuff, but uh, we'll be right back. We're going to take a quick break. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. I'm Devon Pouncey. He's D-Boy, and we're on NatCast Podcast Network. Stay tuned. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on ThatCast Network. And we're back. And I want to talk about um, an interesting turn of events that I had happen over this weekend. Um, I was right here in Portland, Oregon, as I mentioned before. And I was walking around downtown Portland on Saturday, early afternoon-ish maybe, late morning, early afternoon, whatever the case may be, I was in downtown Portland. So I'm walking around, going to get some food as usual. <laughs> this, this is just what I do. <laughs> and I run into somebody and I'm walking towards this guy. And as I'm walking towards him, I'm like, man, that face looks familiar. And as he's walking towards me, he's walking with his lady friend for lack of a better term because i don't really know the dynamics of their relationship so he was walking with his lady friend just strolling around downtown portland and as i get closer to him he doesn't recognize me yet but i recognize him and it's a childhood friend of mine and for those who did for those of you who don't know i grew up in the bay area so i've been living in california hello hello all that 707 so, so i grew up there i've been here in portland for four years so for me to randomly run into one of my homeboys and one of my childhood friends from the Bay Area was quite shocking. So obviously as I approached him and I got closer up to him, he ended up realizing who I was. We gave each other a big hug. We were both in like pretty much shocked that we even randomly ran into each other walking around in downtown Portland and he was literally just here for the weekend. So we were like, man, let's connect. We exchanged phone numbers, all that good stuff. And we're like, let's try to get together later on in the evening. So we both go our separate ways. Later on in the evening, he sends me a text. Hey, man, you want to go out to dinner? Once again, me being the foodie that I am, absolutely I want to go out to dinner. So he's like, you got any suggestions? Me, myself, screen door. It's my go-to spot here in Portland. So I suggest the screen door, and he hits me back, and he's like, okay, uh, I got a couple of friends that will be coming with us. Me? Cool. You out here? You on vacation? I'm guessing that you're visiting your friends or somebody to that nature, to that magnitude. All good. So I get to the restaurant, and him and his friends are there before I am, and I was oddly surprised. And the reason why I was oddly surprised was because it was him and his girl, or his lady friend, as I said before, because I don't know the dynamics of that situation, and there was this middle-aged white couple. So I'm looking like 
kind of off guard. Like, these are friends you was talking about. Right. Not not judging and not being discriminatory or anything like that. But I'm just caught off guard, if we're being quite honest. So he's like, yeah, man, before we saw you earlier this morning, we went out to brunch and we met this couple at brunch. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I'm like, all right, cool. So the five of us, we go to eat dinner. And as we're eating dinner, obviously, we're just having conversations amongst the table, sipping our wine, doing what we do. And um, the lady, the wife of this middle-aged couple that I mentioned, she asked me kind of what, what I do and what I'm into. So I kind of gave her my background. I'm into sports media, all that good stuff. So she asked me, well, what do you think about this whole Serena Williams thing? So when she asked me that, I paused because I wanted to dig into it. But then I waited and I said, you know what? Listen to the podcast. Listen to the podcast on Wednesday. Yeah. <laughs> so she enjoyed that. She thoroughly enjoyed that. We all kind of laughed it out. Um, she did subscribe to the podcast. So I know that she'll be listening to this episode. But now we're here. And now we know about this entire Serena Williams thing and all that she's had to go through over this weekend. First off, I want to give a huge shout out to her opponent, um, Naomi Osaka. I don't know much about tennis. I'm not going to sit here and act as if I'm some tennis expert. But from the word that I got, matter of fact, I didn't even watch it, if we're being quite honest. But from the word that I got, she was balling. She was giving Serena some problems out there. She was in the lead. So the fact that, that exactly the fact that I don't hear too much, you deserve a shout out for that alone in itself. Because I'm not even into tennis like that, but I know who Serena Williams is, and I know she's not a loser. So Naomi Osaka, shout out to you for beating Serena Williams the way you were before all hell broke loose. Now let's get to the hell that broke loose. Serena Williams had a coach who was attending the match. I don't even know if he was her coach or if he was just coaching and that's what they received a violation for. But anywho, the guy was there. He was doing some types of hand signals. The umpire saw it. The umpire gave Serena Williams a violation on behalf of her coach, who came out later and admitted that he, he was, was coaching. Right. He came out later and admitted that. You can't do Ser that. Serena can't do, that. can't do it. All <laughs> fine and dandy. I'm learning all this on the fly right now. But anywho, Serena having the pride that she has. Now, I don't know how emotionally attached she was to the fact that she was getting her ass kicked, okay? Let's just be honest, if we call it spade for spade, she was losing at the time that all of this happened. I'm not sitting here to say how emotionally attached she was to that. But what I do know is she felt some type of way because she said that she's for one, not a cheater. So that made her mad that she had to receive a violation for on behalf of cheating. her coach for cheating. Cheating. I don't know if she recognized the coach was doing hand Which signals. Which she said she didn't. She said she didn't. Which I'm going to take be, her word for it. Yeah, because that would be lying and cheating. Exactly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I'm going to go ahead and take her word for that. But anywho, she gets caught cheating. She gets mad and frustrated. She throws a racket. She receives another violation. She, and she continues on to talk to the ref, and she calls him a thief. Now, once she caught the referee a thief, she got another violation, violation, and she lost an entire game. So now, at this point, it's a wrap. It's a wrap. You're already losing, and now you lost. You lost <laughs> pretty much at this point because I think Osaka had one more game left to win 
to however many games Serena Williams had left to win. Y'all could tweet me and tell me that later. But anywho, so now there's a bunch of stuff going on because she lost the game on such a big stage, ultimately after calling this umpire a thief. That's where I gotta pause. Stealing a game from her. That's where I gotta pause. Because me being a former athlete myself, D-Boy, you being a former athlete yourself, Serena Williams obviously being the athlete she is in that stage, in that particular moment, on that platform. Ref, or umpire, I should say. You gotta have tougher skin than that. A thief? What's that, a personal attack? You call mm -hmm. me a thief? And the, and the reason being why Pump you gotta off. have tougher skin than that is because I know that in the NBA, them, I done been on the yeah. floor. Them boys talking crazy to In the every rest. sport. You know what I mean? In and every like, sport. I talk know, crazy in the league that I play in the Red Villa. They ain't gonna boycott <laughs> you and say, we're not gonna uh, referee for the Lakers anymore. Like, it's not going to happen. And, so. and, and, and that's where things got worse for me. Like I said, I'm not sitting here to say how emotional Serena was, how emotional she wasn't, and why she wasn't. Or to say it's right, because I do, this, I do agree with, you know, respecting the umpire, referee, whoever's officiating. Absolutely. absolutely. You know, respect but you got to know what comes with the game right. as an umpire or the, as yeah, an official. You got to sure. respect what comes with the game. For sure. And you got to understand what comes with the game. But anywho, obviously Serena took it to the place of sexism because she's a woman that it became a power struggle between her and the umpire because Serena was chatty with the umpire. Now she did break a rack that might their tennis rack that might have been a little excessive. Unsportsmanlike. Mm -hmm. All right, you get a violation for that. But like I said, for calling a thief, uh, you got to be able to deal with that. But now what I really got a problem with is these umpires that are coming together right now to boycott to with it. that have nothing to do with this match to boycott Serena Williams for the way that she acted over the weekend. Maybe this is why I'm not into tennis that much. <laughs> Like, what? Who's really emotional here? Yeah. You're an umpire and you're boycotting a, a athlete because she said that an umpire made a sexist remark or because she broke her tennis racket or because she called him a thief? I have a problem with that. I have a huge problem with that. And now it is starting to look like sexism because man to man, D-boy from me to you. I'm not even speaking on behalf of these umpires. I'm not speaking on behalf of anybody else. But me as one man and you sitting right next to me as another man, if you call me a thief or if you break a racket, whatever the case, case may be, I'm not boycotting your future matches. In fact, I no. might want to umpire you the next yeah. game uh -huh. and, and really make and you really, mad. Yeah, exactly. You know, that's how I grew up. You know what I mean? Yeah. I might want to be your umpire for your next match and really make you mad yeah. with my officiating. I want to be in your face now. But now yeah. you want to boycott her? I have a huge problem with that because I just, I just personally feel like she didn't, she was not that excessive in her reaction in that particular moment. I'm not sitting here to say that she was necessarily right in the way that yeah, she, she should have been she penalized, reacted, but not to but that magnitude. We, acting like we got we people acting had like, the meetings to boycott her. Right, we we acting like she got violent here. Yeah, we act so, like she threw the rack at the fish. Right, she yeah. threw it at the ground. Okay, throw a rock at the ground, and it's the same thing. She threw her racket at the ground. She wasn't violent. She didn't attack anybody. She said her piece, and now you're making her look good as not only a woman but as an African American woman and her approach of saying that this was sexist because you're pretty much saying you don't want anything to do with her when like I said as a man I would personally think 
but maybe this is just me that if I don't like you that much, maybe I do want to umpire your next match and help you to another loss. Yeah. That's just me. But yeah. I think if we're dealing man to man, that's how people would think. So tennis umpires, step your skin up <laughs> and officiate this woman game. Absolutely, matches. absolutely. So to the lady that I met at dinner the other night, shout out to you. Hope I, you I enjoyed know, that hope segment. Hope you enjoyed that segment because that was partially dedicated to you, but most importantly, it was dedicated to the women out there. Um, don't be afraid to speak up, and for the men out there, don't, don't, don't get i don't even want to say what i'm going to say but don't get in your feelings behind a woman stepping up and saying what it is that she has to say all right we got to be a little bit tougher than that and we still got to hold our own in a way but we also most importantly need to support these women because when we do stuff like just what just happened to serena williams yeah we look bad We look real bad. So you might as well just support Serena Williams because she was right, and she has now been proven that she was right as far as I'm concerned. So we need to go on ahead and support that and not be in our feelings so much that women are shining in today's day and age. But um, I want to kind of dig into the culture a little bit because the hip-hop industry, the culture, did definitely take an L and – this is not a part of the Taking L segment that'll be coming up next. Um, but this is about Mac Miller. He's a rapper. I grew up on him. D-Boy, I know you grew up on him. Right. And I'm going to have you dig deeper into this topic because Mac Miller passed away of an overdose, of an apparent overdose, alleged o- overdose. And like I said, his music touched a lot of people. Um, his personality touched a lot of people because he was not only a musician, he was on television, he was a world-class entertainer. Decade in the game factor. Decade in the game factor. He's been around a lot of places, he's helped a lot of people out. A lot of people that are popping in the game today have come out and paid major respect to him, whether it just be because of the friendship they had with him, whether it be because he took them on their first tour, whatever the case may be, Mac Miller holds a significant place in the hip-hop industry. And ultimately, he holds a significant place in the culture. So, D-Boy, I want you to kind of unpack a little bit what Mac Miller meant to you as an artist, as somebody who grew up rapping, you know, during that time period when Mac Miller was hot and when he was popping the most. I want you to kind of dig into what his influence means. Um, I'll basically start by, uh, first of all, saying that the uh, impact and um, the reality of seeing that first picture because I found out with seeing a, a post from um, somebody who I have known to only post legitimate and real news and so when I seen that black and white photo posted and uh, that R.I.P. Mac Miller in the caption it was unreal I was at a cafe sitting outside it was a nice day um, I'm enjoying my breakfast, and uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? I pull my phone out, as we mostly do nowadays, scrolling, and that's what I come across. And so um, to hip-hop, first of all, I know it was a big hit. Um, as Devon mentioned earlier, uh, I grew up on him, and, you know, 10 years ago, 9 to 10 years ago, mixtapes. The mixtape circuit was really big. Um, a lot of people were putting out mixtapes, I think, Wiz Khalifa, some of his most prominent uh, mixtapes and projects to this day also came out around that time. Um, and it's just a coincidence that they both from Pittsburgh. But uh, when you when you grow up on people and they have 
and you listen to them during a significant time in your life. I'm talking about early 20s, the transition from high school to college and boy coming out man, of college, boy that. to man, you know what I yeah. mean? Freedom, For being sure. away from your parents, yeah, all of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When, when this is the kind of soundtracks and music you listening to as you are turning into a man and molding, you know what I mean, yourself in these early stages of manhood, uh, you can't help but to feel a personal connection with these people as right. if you know them personally. Absolutely. Um, and I, I correlate that to what I see a lot of people um, with legendary old school, um, you know what I mean, people like that, that pass away. Exactly. Exactly. A lot of that when I seen the OGs, you could say. Yeah, exactly. So, right. you know, I see that correlation with the OGs where they say, you know, we was making kids to this or, you know, this was our soundtrack for cleaning up. Like, you feel a part yeah. attached to these people. So right. When my mama was going through some stuff, exactly. we, she was playing Aretha Franklin. I think, exactly. we, uh, I think Isaiah Thomas talked about at Aretha Franklin's funeral. Yep, yep. so that that's kind of, you know, where it's just to make it more personal for y'all to understand how I felt about it. That's what uh, the feeling that I felt with. And then digging deeper into the influence that he had obviously being in the music industry for a decade or so um you've definitely been around a lot of people and been a, a lot of places but to see how he kind of ignited chance the rapper's career um taking him on his second tour i think that he ever had been on and then um people like casey veggies uh it's just crazy how just from you know what I mean? So many different places and walks of life that these people came from. The common ground was Mac Miller being a light, being somebody who helped them right. get something going. Um, I seen even SZA posted something yeah. where, uh, you know, she said he was one of the first people to really take a chance on her and invest time and stuff into her. So with all of that being said, it's just it's crazy to see. Um, to hear about this kind of stuff at 26 years old, right. you know what I mean? A life being taken. And uh, with even deeper research, I've seen a lot of people who was close to him say that he was in, he seemed to be in some of the best uh, spirits, spirits and stages exactly right. of, of, you know, the past 10 years. So with that being said, you know, it's still allegedly an overdose. Um, I read something just this morning that was saying that it appears that the house was swept clean of anything, so it might be some foul play. Yeah, it's right. a lot of speculation right. still yeah, right we, now. Which and we, so, we'll, we'll stay away from right. it until Ex we know what it is. Exactly. But I get where so, you're going. Um, basically, what I'm just saying is that, you know, whatever it was, I hope it was an accident on Mac Miller's part and not, you know, a suicidal type of thing. Um, and I just want to send condolences and prayers to his family. Absolutely. You know what I mean? And everybody who's affected by the loss of Matt. And even with that, whether it was suicidal or whether it wasn't suicidal, um, with him overdosing, if it was self-inflicted, like I said, not from a suicidal perspective, but if he decided to make the choice or he felt the need to use drugs because of whatever it was that he may have been or may not have been going through mentally, I think that we need to shine a light on that a bit more. Um, these mental health issues are a real thing. You know, like I said, as I talked about earlier with the Kaepernick situation, I think a lot of the confusion that not only people have with situations like supporting Kaepernick and Nike, but when it comes to life in general, we're trying to find our way through an era and through 
social media and through just everything else yeah. that's going on this right. in this world that's not particularly the norm that's becoming the norm right. we're trying to figure our way through all of this and navigate through this and it's not easy right and even with it's stuff like easy. marijuana while it's good for a lot of things um you know when it's used the wrong way and become dependent on for you know certain things that may not be uh what is prescribed for or what certain right. people are being helped out with it's like you got to realize that even that can take a negative effect on you. With right, all the positives sure. that it is good for, you know what I mean, marijuana being a big thing um, that a lot of people turn to, the pills we obviously see them with a lot more people, the uh, syrup, all of that kind of stuff, you right. know what I mean? Uh, Harder drugs. Right, Harder make drugs. sure you make sure you fuel fueling your body with the right things and not overdoing anything because too much of pretty much anything could turn into a problem uh, in the long run. And this is just another, uh, you know, unfortunate example of that. I agree. So, um, again, salute to Mac Miller. Thanks for everything you did. Um, I still spin your dang record every time I go and DJ somewhere. That's one of my favorite records. Still turn to the kids mixtape. All that like stuff. Salute to you for the legacy concerned. that you left. Um, condolences to his family, to his friends, to his fans, to everybody that was affected, whether it be in Artists. a major way or in a minor way. Artists, whoever was affected by this death, condolences to you all. Um, but on that note, we're going to make a little bit of a transition, so make sure you keep it locked. We got the Taking L segment that we started last week where we're going to dig into who's taking losses or who took some losses around the world this week. Coming up right back, this is the Wake Up and Win podcast on That Cast Podcast Network. Keep it locked, folks, as we continue to give you a winning formula. It's the Wake Up and Win podcast. Visit ThatCast.com for more great content on That Cast Network. And we back, and we back, and we back. Oh, you can sing now, huh? Uh-huh, all that, all that. Um, <laughs> let's close it out here, the last and final segment of this week's episode of the Wake Up and Win podcast. Um, we got the Take an L segment. So, D-Boy, I'm going to let you start it off Taking this week. Taking L's. I'm going to let you start it off this week. For those of you who aren't familiar, because this is a pretty new segment, the Taking L segment is where we discuss people, places, things, doesn't matter anything, any category that suffered through something this past week or went through something that had them on the losing end of whatever it is that or they went through. They or embarrass or ruin their rep in the words of Simba all of that, whatever. All of that good stuff. If you ruin your rep, embarrass yourself, you took a loss, sorry, we got to bring you up here today on the Wake Up and Win podcast. And plus, like I also mentioned last week, with this being the Wake Up and Win podcast, and if you hear some of the liners, with our takes, we do try to give you a, win, a winning formula to go out and win and whatever it is that you do based on the topics that we decide to talk about. Um, sometimes you do got to take L to become a winner. Right. So I think that yeah, lesson can be very important in this segment too. So while we may criticize and critique some, critique some people for whatever it was that they did to lead them to that L or being embarrassed or ruining their rep, this might be the very best thing for them to ultimately change some things around and become a winner. So D-Boy, start it off for us. All right. I'm going to have to – well, first of all, uh, with this being a Wake Up and Win podcast, I feel like it's only right for us to not complete an episode without mentioning some outside of the Kaepernick situation, right. mentioning football. Absolutely. NFL has started. Fantasy has started. All the good stuff associated with that. My personal best time of the year right now. So um, I'm going to have to go ahead and say that the Chicago Bears 
took the biggest L this week. And that is because Come not on, only Matt. not only on, did we We Raider the, fans. Uh, yeah. We Raider fans. <laughs> not so. only did Oakland Raiders lose Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears, because I did touch on that last week in the taking L segment, and a lot of my Raider Nation agreed with me. You couldn't help but to Especially agree. after how especially we got after, the other day. Especially after seeing his <laughs> performance, even yeah, in the loss. Yeah, too, indeed. But, indeed. Um, I'm going to have to go ahead and say we're giving up a lead as such. Um, and when I say that, I'm talking about 20-0 at halftime. And don't get me wrong, we all know what Aaron Rodgers could do right. and what he's capable of. So no shade on Aaron Rodgers. But when you up... 20 to 0 at halftime and then 20 to 3 with 3 minutes left in the third quarter you got to figure it out even versus Aaron Rodgers you got to figure it out you got to yeah. close out the game I, I understand it's week 1 I understand that somebody else got beat by about 40 uh this weekend but I'm going to have to go ahead and say me personally watching that game it was an evening game right. I seen it and I was just you know, I thought it was sold up for the Bears in week one. And uh, to see – and I think Aaron Rodgers even got hurt early on. He did on. get hurt that game. And so to see him just wheel back and just do what he does, it is just like, come on, Bears. So, like, so, so here's my question. So you got the Bears taking the L. Is Aaron Rodgers the most gifted quarterback you ever seen? No. I'm not saying he's no, the greatest. No, no, But is he the most gifted? No. Like I said, this is week one. I'm not even going to start going there. No, Devon, he's not the most <laughs> gifted and not the greatest. Nah, he's up there. But uh, he's he, up he's, there. He's like I said, we, we know he's capable of doing what he did, and he did it. Right. And the fact that they let him do it right before my very eyes, it was just crazy. And you called it during the game. I, I was with I you. I said it was going to happen. When he came back happen. in that game, and, I said it was going to happen. And, I mean, and he is did. one of the most gifted. For us to even have that confidence and know that that's a very possible and then him to do it right. over and over again. Absolutely. But Chicago Bears, you took the biggest L. Uh-oh. So now it's on to me, huh? So I'm going to take it in a different direction. Um, and I'm going in the direction of everybody that is overreacting to Elon Musk Hitting a joint one time on the Joe Rogan podcast. One time. Now, I will say this. I will say this. Coming off of a topic and a subject like Mac Miller, this might sound a little bit contradicting because, obviously, he used marijuana, okay? He hit the joint one time on the podcast. But here's my deal. For one, for those of you who don't know who Elon Musk is, he's the owner of Tesla. Um, he has SpaceX, I believe. Mm -hmm. um, that's who the Air Force is contract with, contracted with. So he's definitely got some big-time federal involvement as well. So I get that, kind of. But he hit the weed on the Joe Rogan podcast one time. He did it in a legal state, which I think is important for us to remember, that he did it in a legal state. And quite frankly... It's just weed. It's marijuana. And it don't sound contradictive at all because we talk about overuse of I, anything absolutely. being a problem. He hit it, he hit one, it one time. time. One, he hit time, it one time, like you said. And from from what I heard, he never hit the weed before. How true I think that is, I don't think Lie. it's too true at all, yes. if I'm being honest. He ain't going to hit I think the first he, one on I think, mm. Yeah, I don't think he hit the first one on camera like that. I think he hit it because he was tempted to hit it. And he was on the Joe Rogan podcast and the platform that he was on. He was They were already drinking whiskey, so he he was so already what, feeling this game a little Tesla bit. Now? Um, their stocks did drop over the weekend. <laughs> um, but also, he's got 
this deal with Air Force, they're trying to figure out how to na navigate through this because obviously the United States Air Force is federal and uh, I think it has something to do with like the security of the country. This SpaceX thing that he has going on, they're contracted with the Air Force and, and they, don't want they have access to, to yeah, they, they have crazy. access to certain things uh, in the government that is federal and marijuana is illegal federally. So I guess the federal government could take an L2, um, but anybody who overreacted to the man hitting the joint one time, am I sitting here and saying he was smart for doing it? Absolutely not. Which is why he's in the situation that he's in. Yeah, but, but what I'm saying overreacting, is, you're tripping. if you're overreacting, you're tripping. And that's ultimately what I'm talking about when I said taking an L, Sometimes I'm telling you you're taking an L because we need to change some things so you, for you to become a winner. Right. If you that stuck up, if you can't handle a man hitting the joint one time, huh? You gotta change. You gotta change some things that's going on in your life. Okay? It's legal in 31 different states. It's gonna continue to become more legal everywhere else. I don't see it as being a super bad drug, but that's my own opinion. I don't want to push that opinion on anybody else because it has, an, a diff, it has a different effect on everybody. But as far as I'm concerned, we cannot overreact to this man hitting a joint on the Joe Rogan podcast. Let him live. Just let him live, just a little bit. I know he holds a high a position in a high place. I understand he's got some responsibilities to uphold, but. Let the man live this one time, okay? So if you felt some type of way about Elon Musk hitting the weed, or if you're the federal government and you haven't legalized marijuana after it's already been legalized, you took an L on the wake up and win show. Hello. <laughs> on that <laughs> and note, there you have it. on that note, we're gonna close it out. D boy, tell them where to find you on the socials. At D boy LTD with an I, not a Y. That's D boy LTD, and. Uh, you know, you can find me everywhere with that tag. And you can find me. You could just search my name, my government, if you want to. Um, it's right there in the title of this podcast. You can search Devon Pouncey. Um, Twitter, Instagram. My at name is Pouncation because everybody calls me Pounce. And quite frankly, I'm sensational. And on that note, we're going to leave y'all the only way that we know how. And that is to stay woke and go in. <laughs>